I want to read from the book of Colossians, and so if you will, I want to invite you to, um, we used to just say open your Bibles, but open your Bibles, turn on your phone, open up your iPad, your tablet, just open something up. Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse number 9. Colossians 1, verse number 9, verse number 10. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 9, verse number 10. Here we go. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God together let us all say man let me pray father we do now take a moment and we want to not only read your word, we want to reflect your word, and then we want to live out your word. I humbly pray that by your spirit, you would work in me and through me. And then I pray, Lord, that by your spirit, you will produce in us your divine desire and it's in Jesus name we pray together we say amen amen you may be seated thank you so we're in a series simply called discover discover and in this series what we're looking at doing is diving deeper into the depths of God so that we can discover aspects of who he is and how he operates. Today what I want to talk about is discovering God's will. Discovering God's will. I was fascinated to discover in my, dis my studies this week that there are several layers to the ocean. The top level or the surface level is called the sunlight zone and the sunlight zone only goes about 700 feet and in the sunlight zone the sunlight zone is typically illuminated by the sun by the natural light what gives us the ability to see even at the top level of the ocean there's a second level or a second layer that's called the twilight zone. The twilight zone is about 2,000 feet from surface and you can't see as clearly as you can in the sunlight zone but because of some remnant of light it still allows you to see at some level. But then there is the third zone and it's called the midnight zone. The midnight zone is at the bottom of the ocean to which there is total blackness, darkness, and, 
most people, most all of us, as a matter of fact, nobody is able to see with the natural eye because you're at the bottom, you're at the ocean floor of the ocean. The other fascinating thing I discovered is that there are some rare and exotic fish that only circulate at the bottom of the ocean floor in the midnight zone of the ocean. These rare fish are called bioluminescence fish. The reason they're called bioluminescence fish is because they're able to produce a chemical within them that allows them to discharge a light that gives them the ability to glow even in the midnight zone of the ocean. One diver shared her experience in the bottom layer of the ocean when she was overwhelmed by the display that she saw. She simply said her experience was extravagant. It was unlike anything she had ever seen or experienced. And so she was asked if she can put into words and describe what that was like. She said it was like the 4th of July at the bottom of the ocean. The reality for us is most of us will never experience, even though it's available for any of us, the incredible display these bioluminescence fish will offer. The reason most of us will not experience because these fish do not hang out where we normally hang out. For most of us, our water experience is in places where we can enjoy it recreationally. For most of us, we like to hang out in the pond, in the lake, or on the shores. And you might see some guppies along the way at that level, but you're not going to see this quality of fish because they don't hang out on the shores. They don't hang out in the shallow end, and they only hang out in the deep. And yet, what I want to remind you of is the fact that in order to experience these fish, you got to do two things. You got to go into the ocean to experience that. And once you get into the ocean, you got to dive deeper into places. Why? says very few people are willing and want to go. Because in order to go deeper, you have to train, you have to put in the work. As a matter of fact, there is a special suit that you have to wear. You can't go down there with scuba gear. You have to put on a special suit called a wasp that is made of iron, that has special oxygen in it, that has the weight to take you deeper than what you can naturally go. Let me tell you this, what our series is about is there is some aspects of God that will leave you in awe. There are some aspects of God that will leave you in a jaw-dropping experience. There are some aspects to God that will make you say it's extravagant. But in order to experience that, you got to go beyond the sunlight, beyond the twilight, and get down into the midnight areas of God's presence. You got to go into places where a lot of people do not want to go and are not willing to go because it involves some preparation and some work and you can't even get there in your natural suit. That's why the Bible says we got a full armor of God that if we put it on, it will take us into places where God will allow us to see great things in this life. And one of the things I want to talk to you about today is that when you go deep, when you go into those places 
that a lot of people do not want to go. It will allow you to see things. Are you in a place in your life that you want to see some new things this year? Some of the things we experienced in 2022 and God was great for 2022, but let's not keep rolling over our last year experiences with God. Is there anybody here who want to see God fresh? You want to see God new? You want to see God in 2023 in a way that you didn't see him in 2022. But in order to do that, you got to be willing to go into those deep places where God says there's some hidden truths. They're not hidden because I don't want you to get them. They're hidden because they're so valuable that I want to see how much are you willing to go into those places to find and discover those truths that are hidden in my inner being. Well, one of the things that are hidden when you go into the deeper places with God is you get to discover his will. You get to understand his will. And there's nothing more greater for a believer than to know God's will, to tap into God's will, to live God's will. Watch this. Watch this. And to have the assurance that you are in the center of God's will. Because I don't know what may go on in your life, but no matter what goes on in my life, what gives me the comfort and the confidence is to know that whatever goes on, I am right where God wants me to be, in the center of his will. Now, how important is it to be in the center of his will? Well, let me explain what that looks like. Paul starts out in Colossians chapter 1, and he reminds us, watch this, number one, that knowing God's will, knowing God's will is the key to your spiritual life. Watch this. Chapter 1, verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Notice what Paul said. Notice this. Paul says, the day that we've heard of your faith, we have not ceased. We continue in an ongoing experience to pray daily for you. Kind of pause for a moment and just shine the light on Paul's prayer life. The scope and the subject matter of his prayer life communicates his spiritual maturity. Because for Paul, what was most important for him in his prayer life, not that he prayed that you got a new job, not that he prayed that you got a new car, not that he prayed for a promotion. All of that is great. But the key to your spiritual life is not all the stuff that God gives you, but it's the stuff that God has deposited within you. And Paul's prayer and his primary prayer, prayer for them was that, watch this, they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Paul did not pray, listen to this, that they would know God's will. He prayed that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will. Why is that important? Because just because you know something does not mean that you're going to always live out what you know. But if you are filled with something, you're going to always live out that which you are filled with. If you're full of stuff, I'll leave it at that. 
But Paul's prayer is that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will because if you're filled with the knowledge of his will, what you will begin to do is daily live out his will. Watch this. Every person that I read in the Bible that God used were in tune with the will of God. They were in sync with his will. Tomorrow's MLK Day, right? Here's MLK. I just want to do God's will. When you can get to a place in your life where you wake up in the morning and your first thought is, God, I just want to do your will today. When you go to bed at night, if you can go to bed and just say, God, today all I wanted to do was carry out your will. When you go on your knees and pray, and at the end of the day, you can pray like Jesus, Lord, not my will, your will be done. And why is knowing God's will so important? Well, notice what Paul says. He says here, verse number 10, he says, I want to know your will, verse 10. Here we go. Here's the key word, so that. Can y'all repeat that after me? So that. Why is that important? Because that gives us our purpose. Paul says, I am praying for your will that you would know the full knowledge of God. Why? So that with the purpose of or with the result of that you might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in every aspect of your life. Watch this. In other words, I can't please God unless I know what's important to him. See, it really, to want to know God's will makes us answer this question. How important is it for us to please him? Because if pleasing him is important to me, I want to know his will because God always operates consistent with that which is important to him. And the more I go deeper in him, the more I dive deeper into him, the more I know his character, the more I know how he works, the more I know how he operates, the more I get sink in his will. And the more that I am filled with the knowledge of his will, the more my choices and my decisions and my actions and my attitude and my behavior reflect his will. And the more it reflects his will, the more it's going to be a life that puts a smile on his face the more that God will be able to open up his Facebook page in heaven and say, look at my son and my daughter carrying out my will. And he displays his heavenly Facebook page for all the world to see. That's why the Bible says when Satan was walking around, Satan saw Job. And the Bible says Job was an upright man. And he went to God and God says, have you been watching my servant Job? Because I know Job always do those things that are pleasing to me. Wouldn't it be awesome if people can go to God and bring you up and God says, I know them. I know how they live. I know the decisions. You can't bring an accusation against them because I know what's cut down deep inside of them. When I open them up, they're filled with the knowledge of my will and that's how they live their life every day and it's the key to our spiritual life because it allows us to operate in sync with God and here's the key word here as we're talking about going deeper here's the key word verse number 10 and verse number 9 he says that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will In verse number 10, he says that you may walk in a way worthy of the Lord. At the very bottom, he says, increasing in the knowledge of God. 
there are two words there that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and that you might increase in the knowledge of God the two words there knowledge and let me be up understand this is not the basic word knowledge that has to do with information you don't see this in English but a lot of times in Greek they'll put a prefix on a word to add or to amplify a certain meaning of that word. So we're talking about going deep. So Paul puts a prefix on that word to not just talk about information, but to talk about an information that connects you with the full scope of who God is. Paul isn't just talking about that you're smarter. Paul is talking about knowledge that connects you more into understanding who God is. See, you can't give me a book and describe for me or explain who my wife is. The reason I have a certain knowledge of my wife is not because of a dictionary. It's because of an experience that I have and a relationship that I have. In other words, he's not just wanting you to get book knowledge about God. He wants you to come out of a relationship with God so that you know more about God based on a relationship that you have with him, not based on just information somebody gave you about him. He said that you, might, that you might increase in the scope of your understanding of who God is. Because the more I know his will, I'm able to walk in his way. I'm able to walk in his wishes. I'm able to walk in his desire. And I'm able to produce a life that's pleasing. But I get that as I dive deeper into who he is. Now, here's the second thing I'm going to give you. I was, I was going to give you four points today. Now it's like, ah, uh, that may be to God's like, what you, what you hurrying about? Just slow down, give them one or two points and let them marinate on that, right? <laughs> so number one, right, Paul reminds us that knowing God's will is the key to our what? Good. Here's number two. Why is number one important? Here we go. Because God is always, can you say always? Always, always at work accomplishing his will it is the key to my spiritual life but why is that important here we go this is so important because God is always at work accomplishing his will flip over for one moment to Ephesians I'm gonna give you some more I'm taking you I'm taking you from the twilight and the sunlight down into some deeper places Ephesians chapter 1. Let's start with verse 10. Ephesians 1, he's talking about the plan of God. He's talking about what God is doing. And in verse 10, he says that what God is doing, he's doing with a view. He's doing with a view. Okay? In other words, God is working something out and he's doing it with a view. That view means that God is looking ahead. And when he looks ahead, there's something that he wants to accomplish. Why is that important? Because God's not just randomly doing things. God is working something out with a goal, with a perspective in mind. Well, what is that perspective? He says that what he's doing, he's doing with an administration. We understand from a governmental perspective when there's a, a different administration. 
That means a different government or a different rulership in office. What God is doing, he's doing with an administration that is suitable with the fullness of time. I'm breaking it down because I'm going somewhere with this. Y'all with me, just nod your head. I love you. The fullness of time means that there, are, there is a perfect time by which you will see the unfolding of God's plan. The Bible says in Galatians, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. This says here that what God is doing, he's doing with an administration that is in conjunction with the fullness of time. And can I tell you this? The fullness of time is always God's time. Now notice what he says. Well, what is this? He's summing up. That word summing up means to conclude. It's, it's like you, you add numbers, you put a line under it. Here's the conclusion. Everything God is doing, he's putting a line under that, and this is what he's doing. He's bringing all things together in Christ. Things in the heavens and things on the earth. In other words, what God is doing, he's working things out. He's working out a plan. He's laying things in place. And he's doing those things because what he's looking at is this period of time when he will establish his son as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. His son will reign on earth and he's going to bring all things together, things in heaven and on earth. And the Bible says that God is working all of these things out. Well, here's verse 11. He says, as a result of that, he says, we have an inheritance that has already been predestined, meaning it has already been predetermined by God. Here we go. According to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. In other words, all that theologically is saying to us is that God is working things out. He has a goal in mind. He has a plan in mind. It's his will. It's his purpose. He's working that out to accomplish his plan and his wishes and his will. And so what God is doing every day is moving and navigating things to accomplish his will. Why is that important? Because I don't know everything that's going to happen to me in life, but the one thing I know is who's in control of whatever happens to me. And so I don't have to fear. I don't have to fret because I understand nothing can happen to me that God did not allow to happen because he's always in control. And that's why we understand two words because we're going deeper. One is the word transcendence. Write it down, do the best you can. Transcendence means that God, and you need to know this, it means that God sits outside of time. He is, he is, he is the supreme being who sits above his creation. But to counter that, he's also eminent. I give you a key. A key. It starts with an I. Eminent means that even though God sits outside of time, watch this, God works inside of time. Transcendence means that God is 
sovereign. God is all-powerful. God, he, 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 is, he is infinite, that God is eternal, that he's bigger than time. Eminence means that God works in time. God providentially works in time. Why do you need to know that? Because what happens is God sits outside of time, and he has a plan, and he has a purpose, and he has a will, and he knows how to work in time to navigate things, to make sure that things in time works consistent with the one who sits outside of time. That's why Jesus even said in his prayer, Father, I pray that your will be done on earth exactly the way it is in heaven. Did y'all catch that? Now, in understanding that, there are two parts to how God works out his will. You need to know this because people are always asking, like, certain things about how is God at work. So there are two parts that express how God operates his will. Number one is what we call his sovereign will. His sovereign will is consistent with his transcendence. Because in his sovereign will, that means God decrees certain things to be. When God decrees something, that means if it's in God's mind and if it's in God's heart and if it's God's plan, it's going to happen. Nobody can stop what God has decreed to happen. That's why in the book of Acts, they looked at um, the disciples and, and the disciples told the people, watch this. You put to death the Lord of glory, but it was already predetermined and foreknowledge according to the plan of God. In other words, just because you put him on the cross, all you were doing was playing in the hands of God because God is even able to take your evilness and your wickedness and to use it to accomplish his divine plan. And so when God decrees something, nobody can keep what God has decreed from coming to, ha from coming to pass. Here's another part of his will that's important. We call it his revealed will, or we call it his declared will. These are things God has already said in his word. So, for example, 1 Thessalonians 4 says, This is God's will, your sanctification, that you know how to possess your body in holiness. Already his will. This is what God says, Rejoice always, for this is the will of God. He's already said this was his will. God already said, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. That's already his will. And so you have the option to decide whether you choose to obey or disobey that which he's already declared is his will. And so in other words, you can't go along and say, well, I don't know why God bringing this in my life because God has already told you his will. You made the choice to do otherwise. Because your, your blessing or the consequences are always going to be based on how you obey what God has already declared in his will to be consistent with that which pleases him. There were certain things I didn't have to ask my mama. Because I've been around her long enough that I knew what satisfied her and what ticked her off. I don't know about you, but when my mama said, you need to be home when the street lights got on. Some of y'all don't know about that. When them street lights went to warming up, you didn't leave coming home. When them street lights started warming up, you better be closing the door when the street lights got fully illuminated because I knew what mama said. 
I didn't have to ask my mama, can I skip school? Because I already knew what was in my mama's will because she had already said it. What I want you to understand is there's some things about God you don't have to ask. Because if you know his character and you know his heart and you know how he operates, you already going to know what's consistent. Don't be going to God talking about, God, can I marry this person if it's your will? They ain't saved. They in witchcraft. They in Ouija board. They in sage. They in all that stuff. And you're going to waste God's time asking him something he done already told you. And so when we know his will, that he's always working something out. That's why Jesus said, Lord, I always desire to do your will. That's why Jesus in the garden said, not my will, but your will be done. That's why Jesus in the Lord's prayer says, let your will be done on earth the way it is in heaven. And we got to understand it's his will. It's his will. And the one thing we can't do is gerrymander God's will. You know what gerrymandering is? It's when they say, we change the boundaries for our advantage. And what some of us sometimes want to do, we want to gerrymander, we want to change the boundaries to fit what we want in life. God's not gerrymandering. We, at some point, got to get to the place where we, we say, God, it's your will. Your will be done. And can I tell you something? When you ask God, God, I want to know my will. I want to show me your will for my life. You better be careful what you're asking for. Because we all like, God, this year, I, I want to know your will. Because you think God's will is always to give you everything you want. When I say, God, I want to know your will, sometimes God's will is I got to leave Egypt. That was his will. But until I get to a land flowing with milk and honey, sometimes I got to go through the wilderness. Sometimes I got to go across the Red Sea. Sometimes I got to go across Jordan before I get to the promised land. In other words, when you pray that you want God's will, it may not always be what you want when you prayed it. But can you say, God, but I trust you because I don't know what you're going to do, but I know the one who's in control. See, when I pray his will, I got to know what I'm praying about. And I got to know what's involved in that because it's not always going to be easy because it's not always going to be what I want. And it may not be something I even understand what God is doing because sometimes in God's will, he reveals some things, but sometimes you don't get the total picture until after you come out of it. Let me help you understand this because this is going to bring both points home. So if I can pull up my man Joseph for a moment in the book of Genesis, right? And so God didn't understand. Joseph didn't understand. God, why did my brother sell me into slavery? Everybody said they want God's will, but who wants to be sold into slavery? Then I get to Egypt, and now I'm being accused of something I didn't do. And so now I'm being accused of rape. And so now I've been put into prison for something I didn't do. So, I, God, I want to know your will. Are you willing to be sold into slavery? God, I want to know your will, but sometimes your will may get you put in prison. But the Bible says even while Joseph was in prison, the Lord was still with him. 
And so because Joseph was able to get elevated to a place of prominence, when there was famine in the land and his brothers needed a place to go to find food, they went to Egypt. And the Bible says that when Joseph looked up, because he was now in a place of prominence, it took him getting sold into slavery so that he can be taken into Egypt. He had to be put into prison so that he can get connected with the one who was in charge of Egypt so that he can be elevated. And now when Joseph looked back and saw what God had been doing, Joseph reared back and he declared, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. I didn't always see it when I was in the caravan. I didn't always see it when my garments were torn. I didn't always see it when I was in prison. But now that I look back and I see the hand of God was on this all along the way, sometimes God's will may not be what I want. Sometimes God's will may not be what I like. Sometimes God's will may not jive with me, but when I look back over my life and I see God's hand was on it all along, somebody here ought to look at somebody and say, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. Tomorrow when you go to work, tell your co-worker, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. You're going to fire me undeservingly. That's okay. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. Tell the enemy today when you go home, Satan, what you meant for evil, I'm here to tell you, God meant it for good. When I know that nothing can happen to me, that life throws my way that God doesn't use, Jonah, you may run to Nineveh. <laughs> But God can bring a well to take you back because you can't run from what God wants to do. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You put Jesus on the cross, but it was all a part of divine will. You meant it for evil, but it was all for my salvation. I'm here to tell you, no matter what life may throw your way, God can use every turn to take you to where he wants to take you. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. If you're here today and you know that God is at work in your life, it may not be what you want it to be, but you look at your situation and say, situation, circumstance, you meant it for evil. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. All God's people stand to your feet and give them praise on the day. Because when I know that God is in it, I don't have to be in a rush to get out of it as long as I know God is in it. Father, Father, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. My confidence, my hope is in the reality that nothing, no weapons formed against me can prosper. That neither depth nor height nor things present nor things to come can separate me from the love of God that you work all things. He who began a good work in me, he causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. 
And so, Father, there's someone here today as they're going through life. There's so much more you want them to see. So much more you want them to experience. Sometimes, Lord, when we can only see right in front of us, that doesn't mean that you're not already working ahead of us. Father, sometimes when the signs say men at work and we don't see the people, we see the signs and we hear the noise does not mean they're not working underground. And so, Father, we see the signs that God is at work. We hear the noise that God is at work. Just because we don't see you does not mean you're not working underground. And so we pray today. For someone here today, Lord, they just need to know you as through your son, Jesus. For someone here today who does not know your son, Jesus, who is the Christ. Because they can't even get to that inner place of where you are without being clothed in Jesus. And so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, first and foremost, if you would just say, Lord, today I surrender my life to Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, the one who died on the cross for my sins, paid the price for my sin to allow me to have access into the deeper places of where God operates. And through Jesus Christ, not only can you experience that relationship with God here, but you're now able to experience that relationship with God for eternity. Out of everything I say, don't miss Jesus. There's some of you here today, you've been hanging out at the surface level, and God is inviting you to join Him in deeper places. I want to challenge you and ask you to pray and commit to putting on the full armor being equipped, being prepared to go into those deeper places where God wants to show you things beyond what you can ever imagine. Don't be satisfied at the surface level when there's so much God wants to show you at the bottom of the ocean floor. Go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. For some of you here today and you are asking for just one-on-one -on -one prayer, right across the hall there's a group of prayer servants who are there and they will pray with you through your a struggle, a heaviness, a burden, a desire to know more about Him. They will be over there to pray with you. If you want to join our church right out in the foyer, if you want your visitor right out in the foyer men if I can have you for like five minutes after service after we dismiss guys I love you thank you for your prayers those who text me responded on Facebook thank you for your prayers pray for us and pray for me as I go home this week So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your kindness. We 
thank you for your hand. The hand that's located in heaven, but operates on earth. Not only does it operate on earth, but it even operates in our life. So do you be honored, glory, dominion, now and forevermore. And together, let all God's people say amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week by his will, by his grace.